Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come before you again this evening. Father, last night we spoke about Elijah, I mean Elisha. And dear Lord, we talked about... Uh, the timing, dear Lord, the example, dear God, of this timing where the we must see our sins. We need the water, the word, to come forth and show us our sin. And Lord, you show us this in Isaiah 58 very clearly. And tonight I'd like to speak with about Elisha and some of the um, two of the miracles that he did. But first, I'd like to remind us about Isaiah 58, because, dear Lord, in there, you're talking to us about the water. And we talked about the water, miracle of water last night. And, Lord, you tell us in here uh, very important things. And that is that, you know, when we're listening to the news today, Lord, we're hearing about the buildup of war around the world. It's war everywhere. And immigrants fighting, and they're stirring all this up. It's all intentional, as I've told the people. And Lord, they're doing this. They're, they're putting these immigrants in place. They're doing all these acts. They're bringing all the armies together. But as you said in Zechariah fourteen one, all the nations are working in union, in concert together to bring forth this global war that they call a religious war. <clears throat> it's really, they call it a civil war, a religious war, but they are actually calling it a religious war because they're fighting against you. They're fighting against you. And we think they're fighting against us. But what it is, is the devil is using them to fight against you. But what he's really doing is he's actually stirring them up to kill each other because that's what he has to accomplish to get his dominion. But anyway, yeah, we've talked about that many times. But in Isaiah 58, uh, one, it says uh, some interesting verses there. I'm not going to read them all because it's too much. <clears throat> but um, in this day, it, it talks about, you know, churches and so forth will, will fast. People will fast. And they're fasting with the wrong purposes. You know, sometimes they're fasting for strife. Um, they're doing things and, you know, doing away the words. They're, they're not the way of the words, but they're doing actions that are in the way of the words in the opposite. Otherwise, they're doing it in the evil way uh, to create strife and debate and uh, they want to strike with the fist of wickedness, as it says in 58.4. And it also says, you will not fast as you do this day. He's, he's saying, he wants this ended. He doesn't want it to be like this. He says, make your voice heard on high. God's not hearing the, the strife. Because that's what this is all about. We're all about the revival. We're all about turning to him as king and, and, and desiring peace, the great sword. But if we do not, then we're going to get... Um, you know, the pieces can be taken away and we're going to get the sword. But we're going to be punished by the sword uh, because we took up the sword. And that's what he's talking about here in, in Isaiah 58. He says, in verse 5, it says, it is, is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? 
would you call this a fast as an acceptable day of the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? In other words, break your ways of the world. Get away from that. He said, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? <clears throat> and um, well, the hungry bread is the bread of instruction. These people don't have instruction. They need it. They need to get, enable the spirit to move upon them. But we're not doing that. That's what the Lord did. The people of Israel and Judah, none of them were doing it. So the Lord brought the water at the request of Elisha. And what did it do? It caused them to see their sin. And that's what we needed this day. Let's like Jesus in the temple treasury stooped down and stirred up the earth and caused those people to see their sins and they tossed down the, those, you know, they, they considered them righteous men, right? They were going to kill them and stone this woman. Not because in the law, that's what they do, but, you know, the problem with Jesus saying when the words are open, we're to be judged by the words. That's the law of God, John twelve forty eight. Therefore, that we're all judged this way and we got to turn. We got to bring everybody knowledge of truth. Judgment's coming. God's going to bring the judgment. That, that's fixed. But our job is to bring the harvest. And, you know, overcome the enemy by the harvest. Build it by truth, by letting the Spirit work. It said, um, it says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, you know, the wicked and the people without, that you cover him? You know, if they don't have a garment of knowledge, do you give them the knowledge of truth? Do you begin to be kind and gently begin to under, let them understand the, the knowledge of truth? And uh, do not hide yourself from your own flesh? You know, it, it's it's very interesting because our flesh is going to be judged too. That's what he's saying. You hide yourself. You have a work to do. God has given you this body and he's given you the work. And that's the job we're to do this time, to harvest the souls. It says, then your light, if you do that, then your light shall break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, you know, the demons are talking to these people and stirring them up all the time. They're afflicted because the devil's on the earth at this time. It says, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. That's very important because what do you, you know, the, the separation judgment comes at the dawn of the night, you know, the ending of the night at the dawn of the morning, right before the sun breaks. So he says, it's going to be like your light will shine then. You won't be judged to be of the darkness. You won't be cast out with them. You will not receive the plagues that come upon them. And your darkness shall be as the noonday. You'll get this, the light of the seven spirits of God. That, that's the great. He said, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in the drought. Understand, there's a famine of the word coming. But he's going to satisfy your soul in that time. If, if you, because it won't touch your oil and wine. He'll continue to feed you. And strengthen your bones. And you, you shall be like a watered garden. Remember, he says he's going to restore our bodies. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. That's very important. And uh, they'll give you the correction. They'll give you guidance, give you wisdom. I just wanted to add that in there because I thought it was really pertinent to what we were talking about last night where the Lord showed these people the idols that 
and a pagan worship, which is what America is all about right now. You know, the church talks mighty things about, you know, being in a revival and the rest of that, but we're not doing anything about the real needs. We're not uh, getting rid of these empowerments. We're not praying to the Lord to please reduce these idols, the power, the Statue of Liberty, all these bad signs. You look at our government and you watch people speak and you look behind them and see the, the, the fixtures and the and the symbols of our government. You see occultism in everything, like the, the hat in the Senate uh, seal and all, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's all paganism. It's occultism. It's empowering them to do evil, not to hear your words of good. They're blocking the spirit from doing work with them because they're willfully walking in those, and therefore in this day of trouble, they have the guarantee of the wrath of God to come upon them at the dawn of the morning instead of the light or the water coming upon them in the, in the morning. So we need to understand it. Now let's go back to Second Kings 4. And let's talk tonight on two. I'd like to cover two miracles. <clears throat> and I just want to show some highlights of the way these are and the way the words and what Elisha was seeing and how he does these things. The first one uh, is Second Kings 4, 1 to 7. It's the woman who is the wife. She was the wife of the sons of the prophet. She was one of the wives and the prophet had died. And uh, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. Now, many of the, the sages believe that the, the creditor here, in this case, uh, was the government itself, or the, the king, uh, the government, coming against them uh, to take the, what do you want to call it, taxation or debts that he owed. Um, that's the creditor that they're coming and to take the two sons to be slaves. Is that like putting him in the army or put him in some work camp? We don't know. It's not real clear, but it's that's a different thought process when you look at this and consider it, if that's true. But any way you look at it, it's a creditor. In America today, it's the government. They're going to come and they're talking about taking your bank accounts. They're talking about doing all this uh, with the martial law that they're going to bring because the, the country is dead, but they're not telling you that they're the ones that stole the debt and, they're the, the crown trust and those that's running the world are the stealers. They, they've been issuing our currency to other countries and devaluing our currency. It already is worthless anyway because it's a fiat currency. But in regard, as they stole the gold and stole the silver, and then they've issued free tax-free money in trillions of dollars to merchants all over the world that have bought up our companies and stolen our jobs and the rest of it, destroyed the economy. Through them, and that's the work of the Crown Trust, with the cooperation of our Treasury and our Senate and Congress and judicial departments. So all of that's been deceived. Uh, and CIA is, CIA and the FBI, they they work more to protect the Crown Trust currency than they do our nation. They're not working on our nation. As I said many times, there was more FBI officers, uh, at least in the 90s when I knew about it exactly. There was more in London than there was in the U.S. That's how bad it is. They're collecting the gold for the Crown Trust uh, through theft. I mean, they're, they're brutals. They're, they're brutes, you might say, taking the gold and so forth. I've been in meetings where they said, you know, nobody can negotiate fairly with the Crown Trust. Nothing's ever fair with them. Um, that's the way they are, the Queen and the Rothschilds and so forth. So anyway, that's the creditor type thing. They said, not take his two sons to be slaves. And... Uh, what I wanted to point out here is there's something very important we must understand. These guys had been prophets 
Elisha was surely well known as being one uh, was double anointed. He's, you know, people knew that. We read that last night. Even the king of Judah knew this. That Elisha was double anointed. He uh, put water on the hands of Elijah. And uh, so we, they knew he'd walk with him. And, uh, and Elijah, he'd gotten a double anointing and so forth. So they knew this. And the prophets were there learning from him. Uh, so this is one of them. And somehow he had this debt. <clears throat> and you never know where these debts come from. Is it from his family? Is it from him? You know, these things went that way in those times. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 40 to 42, he says, he who receives you receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's award, reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, surely, I say to you, he shall be by no means lose his reward. Now, in those, what you get the glimpse of is that if, you know, we're talking about a prophet who's uh, seeking the knowledge of the words of truth, because that's the knowledge of God in Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. Uh, the other knowledge is milk knowledge. These guys were seeking after learning the ways of the words of Elisha. So, you know, Elisha was teaching them the words of God. So we see that Elisha is saying, and this is what the Lord is saying in Matthew 10 and Mark 9, 38 to 41, the same, um, is, is very much the same. So what we're saying is that they're due the prophet's reward. And she had, you know, she had been with him and she was a wife of the prophet who was with Elisha, meaning she was keeping the house while he was learning the words. And God said that if you come to him and seek to put the, uh, you know, the, the food in the storehouse, the heart and the mind, which is the words of God, then you'll be rewarded. It tells you that in Malachi 3, for example. So what he's telling us here is, is that um, Elisha knows that she, she is deserving of a reward. She had been faithful. And that's why she came to him. So he says, uh, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be slaves. So Elisha answered her and he says, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? See, she took care of the house. She was responsible to prepare the way so her, her husband could receive the words and teach it to her, uh, her and, and the children so that he could receive the knowledge from God and be able to reveal it to her and the children and teach it to the children. So she, she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, his oil was valuable in those days, <clears throat> um, but she had a little, uh, a jar of cooking. It says, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, um, and empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall put, shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who had brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. It came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live off the rest. 
Now, why is this important to us? In this day, if you will look in Revelation uh, chapter 6, in verses 5 to 6, you'll see that everything was in the past is pointing to this time because God never changes his ways. So we can know that when he does the way of his words, he's doing it with with the, uh, with the meanings that teaches and glorifies the plan of God. And the plan of God is there's a famine of the word coming in this day once the words were open, which they were opened in the first seal judgment. And this is the third seal judgment. By this time, they're supposed to have had the understanding, which is the third uh, third seal or third spirit. And uh, so what, they, what they're saying is the creditor should not be coming after them first off, because of the words. But there's a family of the word coming in that, that obviously the creditor doesn't have the word, should not have had the situation. But in any case, in this day, the Lord's going to shut his people up. Like, remember, he says he's going to shut the door, but those on the outside are going to do what? They're going to have, um, you know, uh, the Lord said that uh, they will have a family of the words. But those on the inside are going to be fed like stall-fed calves, Malachi 4.2. So what we see is that she's going to, and we're also going to be restored, is what what he's promised. I read that uh, in Isaiah 58. When a time of the separation judgment comes at dawn, your light will shine. But you'll be set apart with those of the light, not of the darkness. So those of the light will be like your house. You prepared the work that you did will testify for you that you are set apart by the words. And the food will be um, multiply. He says, don't touch my oil and wine. And so God will provide for his people to be able to continue the learning and be set apart. And so that's what is happening here. She's being multiplied. The doors were shut. The doors of the house. And she was the one that kept the house. She was the wife of the prophet and kept them in that way. And she says, that's why she's pleading to lie. She says, I did all. I prepared the things for my husband. We get two sons. God bless those while he was doing this work. And so we see that the Lord is going to bless it, and that's what he did. He provided the oil, and he says he'll restore us at this time. Well, that was symbolic of this day of judgment that we're coming to, the family of the word that's almost upon us. And you need to dwell upon that, knowing that unless you have have done the work of the words prior to when the door is shut, then you won't have anything to multiply. But if you do, you know, if, you, if you've done some work of, you know, causing others to come to knowledge, truth, those kind of things, God is going to bless that oil. That's knowledge. So, you know, you may have crops grow up overnight. You may have uh, wherever you go, food will be provided. God says that in the scriptures to those who are doing the work of the kingdom. I hope that helps a little bit. And you remember that the, the he says the oil and wine will not run out uh, in the time of the, because the angels cannot stop the oil and wine. And Revelation 6, 5 to 6. The next one is a, a um, is the time of the um, uh, the Shulamite son. This is a really interesting one because it, it says, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shuman, Shunem. Uh, this place has an interesting name. At first, it's a little town in the land of Ishakar. And Ishakar is the one that's given to understand the times. So these people are blessed to understand the times, understand the, the future. That's what I'm trying to say, what was going to happen in the future. They, they dig out and, and support it. And this is what she does. She caused, She was wealthy. Her husband was old, uh, but she, she was 
well-to-do because of him and his provision. And she wanted to provide for, when she heard of Elisha going by, she wanted to prepare a room on the wall so that um, he would uh, provide the knowledge. This is really important because a wall is a foundation for the knowledge of the future. And this is why God made the wall of, of Jerusalem. It's called the foundation of peace. Peace is the eternal kingdom. So this is what is going on here. The room is up above that wall. Uh, upper room, you could call it. And what happens is uh, Shunem, the meaning of that place, is a double resting place. You know, as a, the double blessing, you could say. And the resting place is the way of the full measure of the seven spirits. That's the meaning of that little town in the land of Ishikar. That was um, south of uh, Mount Gilbo, they say, and the, towards the, um, well, it's a little way, about 20-some miles away from Carmel. Anyway, um, it goes on and says uh, that she was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. See, she understood what the way of the food is. The food is used for bringing out knowledge and good works by those who understand what food does. You know, people scoff at food being that. I, I've explained to you water and many other things, the bread, and it's it's a terrible crime. Uh, our terrible shame for shepherds to mock how God used food. Food is for a purpose because it's like the stomach is where you decide what you desire to eat. It's all symbolic of the way you express your knowledge because all things are made to bear witness to the words of God because that's the plan of God. All things are made by his words and the inheritance of the kingdom is the knowledge of his words and the authority to speak and do them. So it was... um, that he would turn in there to eat some food whenever he passed by. And uh, uh, that was enabling him. He's also going to bless them. But she went further. She says, please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed up there for him and a table, a chair and a lampstand so it'll be so he can study this, uh, the text. And um, so it, it is that uh, she did that. Um, and it happened one day he came there and turned in the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, because she'd been doing this all the time, Gehazi is this uh, blundering helper of uh, Elisha. And, uh, you know, it's, his name means a valley of vision. And sometimes it's it's a valley, you know, valley of death or it's a valley of mistake, a valley of temptation. Uh, many people call him a prophetic blunderhead. <laughs> But um, that's what he really, really happened with man, as we learn later on in the scriptures of Second Kings. But anyway, he said, uh, call the Shumanite woman. Now, understand, he didn't say call this lady of the house and didn't use her name. He called her Shumanite woman. So he's telling us here that he's calling this woman who was of this town of Ishikar, who was working to, you know, encourage God to pour out the knowledge of the future plan by helping this prophet. And uh, who had the double anointing. And this is a town that meant the double blessing of rest, which is double blessing of truth and peace. So uh, he, she does that. He does that. He called her and she stood before him. And he, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. Uh, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And he's saying on her behalf to the Lord. He is the king. And he is the commander of the army. 
she answered, no, I dwell among my own people. You know, and um, uh, he, he may be thinking about the, the king of the, of that area, but uh, to be blessed there and pointed up or something, I don't know. But to me, it's talking about the Lord in this thing. Uh, she dwells among her own people. Well, she's, uh, you know, it's, it's like she doesn't want to be, uh, I mean, what she's saying is she wants to take care of the people. She's helping the people. She's preparing the, the good works that she's done for him. Surely she's doing this for the people of their household and so forth. And um, so uh, Elisha uh, said uh, to Gehazi, he says, what then is to be done for her? And uh, Gehazi answered him, and he said, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. So he said, call her. He brought her again, and uh, she stood in the doorway. And the doorway is the way of the words of God, where uh, things are made. She didn't come in the room. She stood in the doorway. Proper. Then he said, uh, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman did conceive, and uh, she bore a son. And when the appointed time had come, of which Elijah had told her, the child uh, was born. And uh, the child grew, and it doesn't tell you really how many years it is here, but it happened one day that he went to, out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. Now, this is very important. Remember, it's a double blessing, it's the place of Ishakar. And this child is... Uh, uh, symbolic of a blessing by God, by the way, the words of God, then he's saying, my head, my head. And um, the words should be in the head. And she had done all the works of preparing the way for uh, the words to be taught by the by the father. But uh, the, the man says to a servant, uh, carry him to his mother. I'm sure he didn't understand the, the boy was uh, in, in serious health here. Uh, so when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon. So this had been in the morning he'd went out uh, to him, then, and then he died. And it's very interesting what happens now. Because remember that uh, Jesus was put on the cross at noon. And also in the day of the Lord, the Antichrist is going to be coming forth at noon of the day of the Lord. And darkness is going to come on the earth at that time. So it's symbolically showing us the way of the end times here we're going to see. So it goes on, and um, uh, she went up, and she laid the boy on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. See, she understands the way of the door, and you can understand it. They've got the door, the, the symbol of the words on the door and all the other things as Moses commanded, the Lord commanded through Moses. In Deuteronomy six four nine, Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to twenty one, and so on. It goes on, and she says. Then she called to her husband and said, "Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back." So he said, "What are you going to him today?" Uh, he's in. It says he's in Carmel. Carmel's about twenty miles away, so she's taken a forty mile trip uh, in that day. And uh, it's already noon, uh, and she wants to run. So he said, it is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. Now, that's important for us. It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. It's kind of like showing to us that during the week, 
which, you know, the this thing is coming on us very quickly in the morning. And it may be that during that week of the, I mean, in the wintertime, it could be in this wintertime because it's not, the Sabbath starts in the morning. So it could be in the time like Purim in the midst, the middle of the week, the middle of the month uh, time frame where this is going to come, where uh, people are going to be judged at that at that time. And she said, it is, uh, it is well. Now, it's very important to understand that the word that's used here, well, is the word shalom, which is, of course, peace, uh, Sabbath peace and so forth. You talk peace, but it, you know it's used more than 175 times the word peace. It also means completeness. Um, they, they're saying it as well, but you kind of like, forget the meaning of it. Peace is the eternal plan of God. So she's saying that she has the faith that this is in the eternal plan of God. She took him and laid him on the bed because it's the town of rest, the double blessing of rest. This woman had some knowledge. This humanite letter. She had some knowledge of the words of God. And um, so she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace from me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was that um, when the man uh, uh, of God saw her afar off and he said to the servant Gehazi, look, the Shumanite woman. And he said, please, because you see her basically running to meet her. Uh, so he said, please run to meet her and say to her, "It is is it peace with you? It says in the scriptures here, is it well with you? But it should be, is it peace with you? Eternal plan, is everything okay to the plan? Because, you know, God had blessed and gave open this child by the word of God, the promise of the word of God. And uh, she's, uh, and he says, is it uh, peace with your husband? Is it peace with the child? And uh, notice he says, the child. And she answered, it is peace. Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And then she said, did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If you, if anyone greets you, do not answer him. But lay my staff on the face of the child. You know, the staff is is the word of God. You know, it's it's he. Uh, the staff is like his rod that he's taken with him. He's walked all these paths and everything else with this rod, the staff. And so it has the anointing. It has the works of God. So he's testifying by the works of the Lord that this was part of the works that God had given. And that he went to that place and by that place when he's walking many times and she had done this good work for him. So he's saying that by that testimony, lay that staff on his face because the face is our authority to do the work of God and given the work to, uh, to do at that time. And something very interesting happens here now. Um, and so uh, uh, Gehazi uh, did that. He, uh, and the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Because he told her to, to go uh, with him. Um, but uh, the mother mother uh, uh, rose and uh, Elisha rose and followed her. In other words, she was going to stay with Elisha even if Gehazi went. And he he just knew that she was she understood this anointing was from him and God's promise was through him. So he went with her. 
And uh, and the mother of the child well, goes on down in verse 31. says, Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. And when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. And when he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind him, the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child. And uh, see, he came in, he shut the door of their house behind the two of them, and he prayed to the Lord. Um, and, uh, and they were still lying dead on his bed, but they prayed together. And then he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands and stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked back forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite woman. And so he called her and when she came into him, pick up your son. And she went in fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. And she picked up her son and went out. Now, why sneeze seven times? People ask this question. What it's showing here is that in this time, this is important for us to understand. I've been talking about this. There'll be people that will die. But by the will of the Lord of God at this time, if they were you know, of the Lord, and you were walking in the way of the Lord, you're going to get this person back, whether it's sickness or whether it's something that happened to them, if the, if their work is called for this time. This boy was a blessing of God for a purpose for this woman. And this old man was old, and so she has a son to take care of her, and, and so forth. And so what this is doing is showing us this at this time. The seven spirits... Remember the time that the Lord told you that in the morning, when the morning comes, the day of the Lord, the sun says it's going to shine seven times brighter because the fullness of the seven spirits is coming. And the Lord is showing us by this wonderful miracle about this time. Ishikar is is a land that was talking about the, the plan of God, revealing the things to come. And this is a time of the double rest. This is the time of of the uh, the double Sabbath. It's the, the Jubilee year. And this is the time when the Lord is going to rule for seven years, which is a double blessings time. So we're seeing that of this, and it's testifying that because the Lord is coming, and the sneezes is like breath going out. And the Lord is showing this, that it's going to be reborn at this time when the full measure of the seven spirits of the power of God. Now, that may be all confusing to you, but if you think about it a little bit, you'll understand at this time. This is the time where the Lord says he'll restore. This is the time that, is, you know, in, in the times of the, when they were, the people were afflicted, uh, Paul testifies in some of his writings that people saw, the wives saw their husbands come back to life. We're going to see this at this time because a great affliction and great trouble is coming. If the people, if the women have been keeping the way of the words and they believe in the promises of God, they're going to see because they're set apart by truth, as the Lord said he will receive us, as he says in Joel 2.20, then he will drive the northern armies far away from us, which includes all their poisons, all their evil, all their particles, all their toxins, all their weapons, and people can be brought back to life at this time by the willing of the seven spirits of God so that they can be refined and glorify God. It can happen if we understand and have the faith 
and we understand what the work of God is for this child or this person if they've been called to do a work. It's something to remember at this time, and I hope that this has been helpful in considering this. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to come before you and consider the greatness of your times and your works that you do. Lord, it's it's a wonderful thing what you're showing us about this time because the Lord, you said, dear Lord, this is the time when you set apart your people. They're going to be fed like stall-fed calves. This is the time, dear Lord, that they're going to have the power and authority. This is the time, dear Lord, that you said the devil will leave us. And dear Lord, the, the, the devil is clearly, it's a testing that was being done, Lord. It struck the head, my head, my head. And Lord, at this day, there's many things like this going to come upon us. But dear Lord, it's going to be that we will be able to be recovered. There's people with Alzheimer's. There's people with all these things, Lord. If we understand the times and understand what's about to happen, Lord, they can be recovered and saved so that the enemy cannot afflict them. Because you told us in Revelation twelve sixteen that the devil has to depart from those who have the wisdom of God. See, the wisdom is in the wilderness. They've set themselves apart from the city of the harlot. And they're of the, of the wisdom of, of your words. Your, your wisdom is in them and walking with them. She's the one that makes known the words to them. Proverbs 1, 20 to 23. And you'll cause them to know your words, meaning they will see it. They'll experience it. Father, we pray that they will glorify your name at this time and believe in your great promises. We ask all this in thy precious and thy holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.